Well, welcome. As you know, my name is Eric Birch, one of the associate pastors here. Um, great to be back in the house of the Lord. Welcome everybody here, everybody online. As most of you know, I've been out for a couple of weeks. I, I had another back surgery, and uh, so I'm a quarter inch taller than I was the last time you saw me. Yeah, if I live long enough, I'll be six one again. Um, <laughs> they just keep stacking them up, you know, so... It's uh, pretty cool. Uh, you know, it's weird not being in church for Easter. That's just was something that, you know, it's just, just, man, I've been in Easter forever, I mean, right? And, uh, but it was kind of cool because of COVID and all the work of people here. I was able to watch Good Friday on my tablet at the hospital and watch the Easter service from my home, you know? And the Good Friday service is just amazing. I mean, um, just so moving, that whole... Just a super, super job that was done. I really enjoyed Easter. I missed the breakfast. Let me tell you that hospital food is not Easter buffet. It's, um, I, uh, especially at Northwest, they've figured out how to extract flavor from every form of food known. Um, so it really doesn't matter whether you're having chicken or fish because it tastes like cardboard. Uh, so the, uh, if, if, if you get to pick... Oral Valley is way better. Their food is way better. So if you get to pick, you know, but uh, typically I don't. So it's uh, anyway, uh, it was an interesting trip to the hospital this time. Um, first of all, I met Deborah's twin. Um, yeah, that's what, you know, and so the um, my night nurse was named Erica and I looked just like Deborah. Same happy smile, same glad that you're here. I mean, it was well. Not as Deborah. I mean, nobody's as Deborah as Deborah, but it was pretty darn close. I mean, she was just really excited. And, and it was funny because I was telling her, I said, you know, you're so much like this person. And she's like, no, no. So I brought up a video. I got my tablet. I showed it. She's like, OMG, you are dead. I mean, her hair's longer, but I'd be like, okay, that's, I don't notice those things. The, um, <laughs> but it was, it was amazing, you know, a dead ringer, you know. And she said it was that funny because one of her friends complained, one of Erica's friends complained that she saw Erica at the store and kept calling her name, but she ignored her. And I'm thinking, I think I know what happened. Anyway, so, yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. So the second thing that was really weird about it was that I got put in a single room. Now, for most of you know that I, you know, I wanted to have a hospital mission. I wanted to be a hospital chaplain. I wanted to be able to go and see sick people. And God, in his funny sense of humor, said, we can work that out. And so um, I, got, I spent lots of time at the hospital, unfortunately not as a chaplain, but in bed. And so um, I'm, I, I look forward to going to the hospital because of my roommate, whoever that would be. And so I'm thinking to myself, I can wait and see who this I, I consider them targets. Um, so the, uh, so I, you know, I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm at the hospital. I'm all excited. I'm ready to see what happens. I get out of recovery. I'm thinking, who's this roommate going to be? And they roll me into a single room. I'm like, whoa, what happened? There's only one bed in here, me. I said, there's something wrong here. And if you know Tucson Ortho, you probably don't, but I've been there enough times I do, they only have one single bed. They only have one room that has one single bed, and I was in it. I mean, what's the odds there? So I was really kind of bummed about that. And, you know, I was, because I, I, I go there thinking, hey, there's a target. I got to, you know, 
So the, and, and I do. I've had some wonderful times talking to people in hospitals. And, and not just patients, uh, family members, doctors, nurses. People have a vulnerability at a hospital that they just don't have anywhere else. Um, and, it's, and I've had just some great times. And so I was looking forward to whatever I, whoever it was going to be. So, um, you know, I really enjoy it. You know, it's, my favorite part of going to the hospital is talking to people. Um, IVs are my least favorite part, in case you were wondering. Uh, can't stand those things. Anyway... So I get in there, and again, I realize that I have no roommate. And so I call up Donna, and I said, Donna, you won't believe what happened. I'm in a room by myself. So Donna said, well, maybe God thinks you need to rest. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're thinking. She's annoying like that. She tends to say things. <laughs> she tends to say things I need to hear but don't want to hear, you know. So I'm like, yeah, thank you, dear. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway... So, you know, I'm looking for this great evangelical journey, and God says, no, I want you to rest. So I did. I, uh, it was really kind of weird, because I'm not a rest kind of person. Uh, I don't tend to sit. I, it just, one of the hardest parts about getting back surgery is the first two weeks are really easy in the sense that you don't feel like doing anything. But once you start healing, you want to start getting going, and you can't. You know, you've you got to let it heal before you start doing stuff, or else you mess it all up, and you you're worse than you started. So it's, it's really frustrating because you've got to go slow. Um, and like I said, go slow is just not my thing. But anyway, you know, I thought it was really kind of interesting because here it was, I had grand plans for what was going to happen in the hospital, and God said, no, I want you to rest. And I titled our message today, I'm fully known and fully loved by God. And that's what he knows. He goes, no, Eric, you need rest. You need to take it easy. So I'm going to put you in a single room by yourself so you can rest, so you can get that rest you need. And um, it was great, and, and I did. I literally spent hours with the lights off, no sounds, which I don't know about you, I love silence. Um, I am not a someone thinking in the background going all the time kind of guy. I prefer silence and darkness. You know, when I rest, that's what I like to do. And so that's what I did. Um, and it was really a pleasant stay. Um, as much as hospitals are pleasant stays. So anyway, so the first point I want to make is I'm fully known by God. So what does it mean to be fully known by God? So we'll go to probably, I can't say my favorite part of the Bible, but certainly it's in like the top 10. Psalm 139 starts, Lord, you have, starting with verse 1, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know where I sit down and when I get up. You understand my thought from far away. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Even before there was a word on my tongue, behold, you knew it all. You have enriched me behind and in front and placed your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot comprehend it. So, in about three weeks, Don and I celebrate our 36th wedding anniversary. And in 36 years of marriage, we have gone through a lot of stuff. We know each other pretty well. Um, we've been through a lot of ups and downs, and we kind of know how we react to those certain ups and downs. Uh, we know a lot of each other's secrets. 
We, uh, for those that are married, you know, we know the very things that can lift them up or tear them down. Uh, we know a lot. We know a lot about each other. Um, and though we've been together through a lot of things, we've developed this deep trust and, and this love that is hard to explain. And when, we, when I got married, I didn't even know that kind of love existed. You know, it's something you learn as you go what that means, right? And so we got, you know, we know a lot about everything. But we don't know everything about each other. There are things in my life that I will never share with anyone. There are pains and hurts, disappointments, things I've done that will never leave my mouth. And I'm sure we all have the same. We have some things that we will not share. Um, and yet God knows every one of those. He knows every one of those things we've done. And he loves us. He knows every thought we've ever had. That's scary. I've had some not great thoughts. Right? He knows every word we've ever uttered. Even the ones we haven't uttered loudly. You know, those little quiet ones you say behind your breath when something happens. He's heard all those. You know, and we are incapable of fully knowing ourselves as well as God knows us. He has capacity for knowledge that we just don't have. You know, as we saw in that verse, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I just can't comprehend what that means to be so known by God that he knows so much about us. You know, you know the, the, I find frustrating in my life that there are things I say and think and do that really frustrates me, and I don't know why I do it. I don't know what triggers it, why those thoughts come to me, why those words seem to be the first ones I go to, when I know those aren't the ones I'm supposed to use. Right? Paul had the same struggle. We read in Romans 7.15, For I do not understand what I'm doing, for I'm not practicing what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. You know, we don't know why. Why am I doing this? Why is this my first reaction? Why can't I? You know, remember the, I remember count to ten before you discipline your children. I found count to ten before you do most anything is a good idea, uh, because we tend to react and then we think back. I probably should have done that. You know, but we don't give ourselves that time. Well, God knows why we're doing those things, right? He knows us that well. So He knows exactly why I do the things I do. Uh, he knows everything I think, everything I've ever done, anything I am doing, anything I will ever do. He knows all of that. I mean, that to me is really scary. He knows what I do and why I do it. Um, and that's really scary when you think about it. He knows you that well, and he loves you. Before I was even born, he knew all these things about me. Every step I would ever make, every word I would ever utter, every thought I would ever had, he knows everything, and I can't hide any of it from him. Psalm 139, verse 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, 
Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take up the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will take hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even darkness is not darkness to you. And the night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are alike to you. So I can hide from people and I can hide things from people, but I can't hide anything from God. My dad used to say, integrity is measured by what you do when nobody's looking. Because that's who you really are. And yet, God is always looking. There is no this hide from God, and he won't know what you're doing. He also can't be fooled. The, um, we had an interesting conversation in our senior management group, and uh, they were saying, well, Eric, how do you get all this stuff done? I said, well, I just work with people till they think it was their idea. And uh, so you manipulate people. I'm like, no, I lead people. I manage people. Um, and we get the job done. You know, There's none of that with God. I can't pull one over on him. I can't accept that it was his idea, because it was. But, the, <laughs> but he's not people, right? You can't treat God like people. Um, and I can't run away from him. I can run away from virtually everything else in my life, but I can't run away from God. You know, there's times that people think, you know, he's abandoned me. He's gone. Where is he? I love that poem, you know, that talks about the single set of footprints, which I won't get into because I'll start tearing up, and I don't want to do that. But, you know, he's there. You can't get away from him. He is there. He's watching you. Um, I love that verse, too. Darkness and light are alike to you. He isn't, you can't hide in the darkness. He sees everything with purity. You know, there's no place that you can hide in the shadows with God. Again, he doesn't need an illuminating light. He has his own light. He's pure. God fully knows me because he's the one who made me. Psalm 139, 13 to 15. I, I absolutely love this verse. For you created my inmost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you because I'm awesomely and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your words. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made secretly and skillfully formed in the depths of the earth. I just love those verses. Um... I think if we could grasp that notion that while we were just a few cells in our mother's womb, God was in there weaving our uniqueness. It's interesting. When I was in high school, um, I dated these twins, and I didn't intend to dating these twins, but these twins thought it was funny. They would swap places, so you didn't know which twin you were dating. Um, and... Uh, and so you had to learn something about them that was quirky enough that you could detect which twin you were dating. Um, and so even though they were identical twins, they were not quite identical. I stopped dating them too. It was just too much work. But the, um, <laughs> the but the, you know, and for anybody who's had more than one kid, you know, there's, they started, you know, they were made the same way, but they came out very different. 
I mean, none of my kids are like any of the others. And you look at my siblings, you would never guess we all came from the same mom and dad. And yet, we were all uniquely woven in our mother's womb to be exactly what God intended us to be. Every bit of it. Everything that we are. You know, if we could grasp how perfect we are, I think plastic surgeons would be out of business. Um, Because we live in a world that lies about how I need to keep changing myself to be what I'm supposed to be when you already are what you're supposed to be. To me, it's so scary what I see going on in the world today when people are not willing to accept that they are just as God intended them to be. I remember one of our foster kids, he was, she asked me, she says, what are you going to do about going bald? I said, nothing. The hair falls out all by itself. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I mean, when I was a teenager, I didn't have a receding airline. I had a line of rabbits in full retreat. <laughs> it just is. It's how God made me, you know. People say, you know, God creates only a certain number of perfect heads, the rest he puts hair on. But, the, uh, <laughs> you know, and there's things that we wish we could do different, sure. You know, I wish I could sing with a great voice, as do Dallas, Randall, and Audrey. <laughs> but I don't, you know. I love to sing, you know, and, and it's interesting because you read in the Bible that all that music rives to God is beautiful music. So I figure there must be some filter that cleans it up on the way up. <laughs> but, you know, and I love it. If you've ever been in the truck, it's great because I can sing like crazy and nobody's there to, you know, hear me. And, and, uh, but it is, I mean, I love music. I mean, the, the people that have been blessed with a voice, it's just, it's just wonderful. I mean, they can move people in such a way. But we've all been given some special gift. Musicians and engineers and, and preachers and teachers and you know, people that, that, that lead children. and I mean, we all have this nurses, compassion. I, that's, I'm, I could never be a nurse. I mean, to have to go through all the stuff you go through and still care about people. And I've seen patients be real, what's a nice word in church? Jerks. Um, you know. I mean, that's how I'm thinking. If I was that person, I'd stick that IV straight through, you know. But, the, <laughs> that was, but they don't, they're... You know, and so we're all made that special. We're all that special. Um, and, I, and I think more than ever today, we need to share to the world to understand how special they, everyone is in God's eyes and how we were all created exactly as we were supposed to be. Um, I listened to it really a good debate uh, a couple of days ago with a lady um, who was debating abortion with another a person, and um, the other person that was pro-abortion had a whole lobby of people with her, and they were extremely hostile. They were nasty. They were, and this lady was just polite and brought up excellent points from the Christian perspective of, of life and, and whatnot, and no matter what they did, she stayed calm and loving. It was great. Um, you know, and that's what we need to do. We need to share the truth. We need people to know that. All right. Now, again, like I said, the idea that God fully knows us can be kind of scary. 
right? Because he knows everything about me. And there's some things about me I don't like much about myself. I can't think he's too fond of either. So, <laughs> but we know that I'm fully loved by God. Now, if God just knew us and didn't love us, we'd be in serious trouble, right? We would be in a world of hurt. Um, if all we had was God's justice and all of his knowledge, we'd all be condemned to hell from the very beginning and no chance of getting out. But that's not what happened. Right? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. God had a plan. Justice and love. His holiness requires justice, but his godliness requires love. And that's something that's really hard for us to comprehend, right? You do something to me, I want justice. I do something to you, I expect mercy. Right? <laughs> that's how we are. But God isn't. God is like, I will take justice and I will grant mercy. And I really, I think it. God so fully knows me, how could he possibly love me? You know, because I tend to look at myself more from the justice side. I think of all the things that God could hold against me that I deserved, I did. You know, and yet, we don't deserve forgiveness, but we get it. I don't deserve to be reconciled to God, but I am. And that's because we have a God that loves us. And I'm not alone. David had the same question. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, it says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you think of him, and a son of a man that you are concerned about him? That's one of the things, again, to me is just mind-boggling. When you think that God put all of this that we know of into motion, the stars, and, and the more you know about the cosmos, the more fascinating it is, how everything interacts, and, and um, it, it's just mind-boggling. Uh, and yet he did that all. And you look down at the smallest levels, you know, you look at microbiology, how cells function and stuff like that, it's amazingly complicated. And God knew all that too, and he put all that stuff in place. So it's this phenomenally complicated and involved world, and God did it all, and cares about every single one of you, every individual he knows and loves and cares for. That to me is just... Now, the, the Bible has many verses on God's love. I mean, 200 plus. And I was trying to be nice to Dennis. I didn't list them all here. Um, <laughs> see? But I mean, it's just, there's all over, right? So I like Psalm 86:15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and graceless, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness and truth. Abundant in loving kindness and truth. Don't we wish each of us could be that way? No, we have a limit of our loving kindness. And then we go, okay, we've hit it. You know? 
boom, right? No, God's abundant, no shortage. And of course, John 3.16, right? The love verse of God, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world but so that the world might be saved through him. To me, it's amazing that the creator of the universe saw everything that was going to happen and did it anyway that came up with a pattern that said, I'm going to create mankind, I'm going to give them the ability to reject me, and I'm going to sacrifice my son so I can bring those that reject me, that want to come back to me, back to me. I mean, he said, that's not a story a human could write, because that's just not how humans think. That's how God thinks. Again, God's love is not what we deserve, but it's what we get. He had every right to throw us into the lake of fire, but he didn't. Romans 5, verses 6 to 8 says, While we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. At the time that we had absolutely nothing that we could offer, nothing that was worthy, God died for us so that we could be reconciled and forgiven. So you have to ask, well, how do we benefit from this relationship? We have a God that loves us, who fully knows us. How do we benefit from that? Well, clearly the obvious one is that we have forgiveness and reconciliation, right? And we've been adopted into the family of God with full inheritance rights, right? We're a son, a fully, and a daughter, fully inherited into the kingdom of God. Galatians 4, verses 4 to 7 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, and that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Everything that is God, we inherit as a child of God. And we know that a loving father cares for his children. Um, and as parents, we know that love includes discipline. It's taking care of, guiding. You know, there's all those processes, and God does that. Not only were we forgiven and reconciled, but now we're guided, and we're guided along and carried along. When we struggle, we can go to him. When we're lost, he'll guide us. I love that song, right? He leaves the 99 to go find the one that lost and bring them back. You know, he's there. He's, he wants to be there with you. He wants to guide you. David in Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord my soul and do not forget any of his benefits. Who pardons all your guilt 
who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with favor and compassion, who satisfies, satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Such are the blessings of God. A God who fully knows us and that fully loves us. So now the question is, we know that we know that we're fully known and fully loved, what we should do about it. So my final point today is share the truth. Dan talked about last week about being the fragrance of Jesus in our communities. Right? Do we smell like Jesus in the world? Does the world experience Jesus' love through us? You know, one of the things I think is most amazing about Jesus' ministry is that he tells the truth in a loving way. You look at all the parables and the, the Samaritan at the well and all the various things. He doesn't scold and throw fingers and you know, yell. And, no, no. He shares the truth in a way that shows he loves you and he cares for you. And that's something that we as human beings need to get good at. We need to be able to share the truth in a fallen world that has gone weirder places than I ever thought we would. We need to be able to figure out how to share that truth in a way that's loving and not offensive. Like I said, I watched this debate. It was beautiful because one half was just nasty. And this lady kept herself composed all the way through the whole process, which told everything about Christ. Right? This lady was being carried by the Spirit. You could just tell by the way she carried this conversation. She was not going to join their methodology. You know? And we see that right in social media and all that sort of stuff. You know, we need to be loving and, when we share the truth. We don't have to change the truth. I'm not saying that at all. The truth